Good morning, church. I love the theology of that song. (laughs) It said, from the inside out, (laughs) from the inside out, we are to develop a lifestyle that is governed from the Holy Spirit living within us. That is, if you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ and received him as your Savior and your Lord, you now have the Holy Spirit indwelling on the inside of you. The Bible talks about nowadays, uh, you know, there is no longer a physical temple made out of bricks and mortar and stone and precious jewels. But but that that temple is the fleshly body, the cadaver that you and I are in, the inner man, the inner woman. That's who you really are, who, who you can't see your integrity, the things you do when no one else is looking, when it's just you and the Lord. And see, as, as, as saints of God, as believers in Jesus Christ, you walk in the power of the Lord when you come to understand that you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. So that song is talking about from the inside out, my soul cries out to you. <laughs> it says <laughs> God's glory shines beyond all fame. It, it made me instantly think of uh, Canton, Ohio, NFL Hall of Fame. And all the great athletes that, that, that have been enshrined in the Hall of Fame. And they have a bust, right? And in, in early August, they, you know, I, I try to watch it when I can. And, uh, you know, as, as much, uh, you know, adoration and, 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 and honor that, uh, you know, uh, fans of football, NFL football, give to those players, that, that pales in comparison to the glory of God. Right. You think, think about ancient Israel and they've always been dealing with this. Are they going to worship the creator or the creature? You see that now with the you know, people, they worship the, 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 the environment. They worship the, the, the trees. And, and yes, the trees are beautiful and the mountains are beautiful. But there is a designer behind all of this. You aren't to worship the sea or the ocean or creatures. You worship the creator. Amen. I'm excited. I'm extra excited uh, this morning, you know, and, 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 it's, and it's so cool because uh, it's how the Holy Spirit imparts things to you when you are uh, when you humble yourself before him. Right. James chapter four, verse eight says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It's an irrefutable spiritual principle. It's a spiritual law that it can't change. If you if you instinctively draw near to God, uh, me and Eric were talking about it this week, and it's like you know we take one step, <laughs> we take one step to God, and it's like man, he's like Jerry Rice, he takes twenty big fast steps to you, and just smothers you, but that's how it works. So you draw near to God, and He draws near to you. Well, um, you know th- this morning uh, after service, uh, we're, we're going to perform. Uh, one of the sacrament rites that, that we have, or privileges, I should say, that we have as Christians, and we're gonna uh, we're gonna baptize a family, <laughs> water baptism, um, and I'm excited. You can clap, give God the praise. I mean, it's a, it's an important thing. Now we understand that water baptism does not save an individual, but in obedience to Jesus, that's why we do it. I mean, Christ himself was baptized. The only prerequisite for water baptism is that 
you confess that Christ is Lord, that you believe that he is the only one that can forgive your sins. And you are not ashamed about that. And it's a public declaration uh, declaration to say, I no longer want to live as the lifestyle, as the man or woman that I once was or child that I once was. But now I identify with Christ as my king and as my Lord. But I mention this. Um, and, and I think the, the slide, or if Luke could put the slide up, it's fine whenever you get a chance. So um, I know it's short notice, you know, um, it didn't really open it up to, to the church. Uh, Lord willing, this won't be the last time. But if anybody else feels led and they, and they want to get dunked today, they want to profess faith in Christ and they want to get baptized, we've got a couple of clean towels and you know, get baptized. It's all good. It's all good. But the whole point that I really wanted to share about this was, you know, not too long ago, um, maybe about a month and a half ago, you know, I was driving in my car and, and the Lord had impressed upon my heart about water baptism. Because we haven't, you know, since I've been the pastor here, we haven't baptized anybody. And I was like, okay. And the Lord brought to attention a specific family. And I was like, oh, okay, all right. Well, Lord, let me approach them and uh, we'll see. Because if it's your, if it's your will... And it's, it's, it's not my thinking, it's going to get done. Somehow it's going to work out and you're going to move pieces and you're going to configure things to where it's going to work out. And um, I'm, I'm grateful that, one, that I, I, I'm hearing clearly from the Lord, <laughs> and, and two, that it's not my own thinking, but it's something that the Lord wants to do, right? Because he's the one who's going to receive honor and glory from this. And it's also a thing, the Bible speaks of one sinner that repents. One this is why, church, we have to take serious the individual lives of people we come across on a day-to-day basis. One sinner that repents and, 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 and acknowledges and, and, and responds to the conviction in their heart and says, Okay, yes, I'm wrong. You're right. I, I, I surrender my life over to you. The Bible says heaven rejoices. There's a party going on. A party beyond anything that we can comprehend over one person. So as you go along in your walk, don't ever look at your, your service to the Lord as, 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 as anyone is beneath you. And don't gauge your worth and value to the Lord in your service and your work to him based on, oh, well, I, I haven't seen this many people, right? We, we do that in this culture. Everything is numbers, and everything is, well, if it's successful, it's huge. And if it's small, oh, it's not, it's not, it's not, a, it's not a big deal. This is an organism, not an organization. <laughs> this is a living thing that we're dealing with, the body of Christ. And so I just, I share that to encourage you, church, that uh, be aware of God in your midst moving. Because God's always working and he's always talking and he's always speaking. But you and I have to uh, submit ourselves beneath his authority and, and, and ask him to draw us closer to him so that we can be aware of all the little minute things of how he's speaking and sharing with us, no matter where you're at in your walk today. And maybe you're in a place now where you're grieving and it's difficult and it's hard and there's, there's, there's been catastrophic things that have occurred in your life. God knows. God knows. And, and God mourns with you and he grieves with you. And he, 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 he's, he's, he's comforting you in a way that, that words can't describe and that people can't comfort you. But again, James 4, 8. 
draw near to God and he will draw near to you. He will draw near to you in your success. He will draw near to you in your suffering. Amen. Amen. I was, uh, I was encouraged. You might think this is weird, but I was encouraged in a, in, in a, in a kind of strange way this week at work. Um, the reality is, as we're in the book of Ecclesiastes, right? It speaks of Solomon obtaining so much, whether it's material uh, goods or, 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 or if it's godly wisdom. And none of these, these things in and of themselves sufficed. They, they didn't provide him what he needed to, to, to make his being whole and complete. He was still empty. He was still searching because it, it's, it's, it's that God-sized hole, right? And, um, you know, I had a coworker and, uh, you know, in passing... Uh, they had shared to me a while back that they were going to Hawaii for a vacation and they had been gone for um, you know, a week and a half. And uh, in passing, I, I saw this individual and I, I just asked him, hey, how was your trip to Hawaii? And, and I, I, didn't, I didn't get the response that I thought I was going to hear. The individual said, you know, I was there and, and I had anxiety. And I was there for a week and a half and I couldn't sleep one night. And from what I see... And what I, I do make a judgment call. We're called to make judgments, not a final judgment call. And I'm not talking about the person's salvation. But from what I see, they don't bear fruit of being a Christian. They haven't professed that Christ is their Savior. They're, they're, they're walking in darkness. And it was just so, so sad to me that this person went to paradise. You're supposed to go to Hawaii. And you're supposed to have a great time. Man, you're supposed to be running on the beaches, going in the, in, in, in the water where, you know, you can see your feet. It's so clear and eat good food and enjoy the sunsets. And this individual said, I was anxious and I couldn't even sleep. And so while I felt bad for that individual and I did, you know, in, in the, the quiet of my heart, pray for that person. It did encourage me that Christ is what it is. You see, the reason why that individual could not enjoy Hawaii is because they don't have the Lord. You can go anywhere. You can do anything. If you don't have Christ sitting on the throne of your heart, I guarantee you, even if you do have a good time, that luster is only going to last but for a brief minute, a brief moment, a brief season, and you're going to be empty again. Keep going on those trips without the Lord. They're going to get old quick. Because only Jesus Christ can satisfy. John chapter 6 verse 35 said, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. He's not talking about food. He's not talking about getting a loaf of wonder bread. He's not talking about getting some Gatorade with some extra whatever protein in it. He's talking about spiritual, your spiritual life on the deep down on the inside of the core of who you are. He said, if you come to him again, James 4, 8, that's not even the that's not even the portion of scripture when I'm preaching on it right now. James 4, 8, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. He said he's the bread of life. Whoever, don't matter what your color it is, don't matter how much money, how much money you don't have, don't matter where you come from, what walk of life. Whoever comes to him shall not hunger spiritually. And whoever believes in him with a childlike faith, trusting that he is who he says he is, and not not second-guessing it, but giving him all adoration, honor, praise, and glory that he deserves, he said, you'll never thirst. So whether you go to Hawaii or you never go to Hawaii, 
Now you're going to be content. You're going to have a deep inner peace. Maybe you're not at the job you're, you, you want to be at right now. If you're walking with the Lord, you're going to have an inner peace that someone like Bill Gates don't have, and he got all that money, and he don't have peace. Pray for that individual, that he would come to repent and know Jesus as his Savior. Amen? Amen. Our portion of Scripture this morning is Ecclesiastes chapter 3. We'll be going through verses 9 down through 15. This message is entitled, Our God-Given Task. Uh, When you turn there or go on your smartphone, on your Bible app, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 9 through 15, please stand if you're able to uh, for the reading of God's word. We'll go ahead and uh, I'll read the text, we'll pray, and then we'll get into our message this morning. All right, once again, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 9 down through 15, and it says, What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. Verse 14, I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. That which is already has been. That which is to be already has been. And God seeks what has been driven away. Let's go ahead and pray. Abba God, Lord, we thank you for uh, your presence in our lives. We thank you for the inspiration and uh, the might of the Holy Spirit living within us. And we just praise you for your goodness and your faithfulness to us. Thank you for watching over us throughout the night and keeping us alive. Thank you for waking us from our sleep and giving us a new morning, a fresh day to live. Your mercies are, are new every morning, and, and Lord, we need to walk in that, Lord. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for uh, the presence of your son, Jesus, that we know that he's alive and, uh, and breathing, and that he's seated at your right hand, the, uh, the seat of all authority, and, and he intercedes for us. Lord, we don't even know what we are to be praying for, but the Holy Spirit, through groanings and, and whatnot, the spiritual language, Lord, you, he, he prays for us and intercedes for us. So we thank you. I ask that you would uh, give me and, and everyone in this room a fresh anointing so that we all may be able to rightfully divide your word, see your truth, see Christ in it, and apply it to our lives. This foundational principle of knowing that Christ is on every page of Scripture. We, 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 we worship and praise the true and living God. So, again, may you be honored and glorified in everything that's said and done here. We thank you and we praise you in your Son precious name we pray amen Amen. all right uh so last week you may be seated so last week we we looked at the the reality uh of that there's a specific time for every event under the sun we looked at uh verses one through eight last week in the uh in chapter three of ecclesiastes and we were reminded that the creator god himself has instituted a different season for for life There, there are different seasons you know, it's, it's, it's completely impossible. I don't have any special powers. I'm not a mind reader. That's demonic anyways. But the, the whole point is, I, 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 I could not imagine where everyone is at in this room. 
what season of life you're in, where, where, where you're at with the Lord and, and what the Lord has you going through. But know that whatever season you're in, it will pass. It's been said, right? Uh, the Christian life is, 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 is you're, you're, you're going into one storm and then you're getting out of it and you're going into another storm. That's kind of how you see it. And, and even uh, with what's going on later today, Lord willing, with, with, with the baptism, um, you know, uh, I knew something was a brewing because all of a sudden, man, my daughter was super sick. Friday night, it's like 2 in the morning, and then, you know, I just heard this gurgle. I was like, man, go to her room. She's throwing up. I'm like, all right. <laughs> and from like 2 to 7, that was just all there is to it. I won't get into the gory details. It, was, it got kind of nasty uh, with what went on. But, uh, you know, we tested her for COVID. She wasn't, wasn't sick. She was fine. <laughs> I don't know if it was a 12-hour, 10-hour bug or whatnot. But, you know, when things happen like that, I, I believe there is a, there is a component where there's an aspect of it that's spiritual. And the fact that the deeper you go into the Lord, the more you walk in obedience with God. Expect opposition. Things are not going to go off without a hitch. You don't just get to just roll through and everything's just super smooth all the time. There might be seasons of that. But for the most part, what I have personally come to understand in my walk with the Lord, that whenever the Lord is about to do something big, a big move of, of faith, a big leap of faith, that there's something that pops off where, you know, the, the spiritual forces of darkness, they don't want it to happen. And so they try to try to, you know, rile things up. To get you flustered. But remember who your faith is in. Remember who is on the throne. Remember the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never overtake it. So you don't need to walk in fear. Amen. We were also encouraged last week that even though the seasons and circumstances of life will inevitably change, the nature and the character of the Lord God Almighty will never change. He'll never, it'll never change. His, 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 his righteousness, his holiness, his mercifulness, his justness will never change. That's why with God, see, we, we, we compartmentalize sin and we say, well, this sin's a big sin. Oh, he, he murdered somebody. So that's real big. I, I didn't do that. God says sin, sin, man. Sin is sin. You said you was going to be somewhere. You gave someone your word and you weren't there. That's a sin. You know, so praise God that he's merciful and graceful to all of us, whether we've you know, done something that in our eyes, in our estimation is heinous. And maybe in someone else's, they're like, it's not a big deal. To God, it's a big deal. But praise God that he loves us despite that. And he extends mercy and grace to us. Amen. We have several main points this morning. And the first one is this. God himself, God Almighty, the Lord Yahweh, he has put eternity into the hearts of all humanity. You see, humans are made in the image and likeness of God so that we may receive his love, express it back to him and be complete in him alone. That's how we're created. That's why you can do all these other things. That's why my coworker could go to Hawaii and, and, and not satisfy. Because if you and I don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, we can experience and obtain all the things in this life, but nothing will satisfy the deepest longing because we were made for fellowship. We were made for koinonia with the Lord of lords and the God of all gods, the creator of life. You see, 
We all have a desire deep down within us in our inner being for the eternal. Maybe you can't put your finger on it and actually describe it in terms that make sense to you. But there's something deep inside of you. There's something so deep that you, even your spouse doesn't know about. And they can't never know because they didn't create you. But there's something deep within you that, that needs to be fulfilled. And that's why people go on all these gambits doing all these different things and experimenting with all this kind of stuff because they're trying to fill that void. They're trying to, 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 to get themselves to a place where they feel relieved and satisfied. And some people think it's money. And some people think it's drugs. And some people think it's sex. And some people think it's prestige and, and, and being well-known, right? We got all these people like, man, how many, how, you know, it's like, I'm the, I'm the biggest influencer, man. My channel got, you know, I got over a million followers. It's like, ain't nobody going to have more followers than Jesus. So I don't know what y'all tripping off of. I mean, that's cool. You want to monetize off your talent. And, and, you know, that's what it is. It's, that's kind of the younger generation, right? That's kind of what they've grown up in. For me, that's something that I just got exposed to. And I'm, I'm, I'm a little older. I'm not that old. But I, I'm not like some of the younger people where it's like that, that's all they know. And that's fine. But don't let that be your God. Keep it in its perspective. Don't, don't, don't chase after those things as if they're going to fulfill you because they won't. You may think they will for a little bit. But eventually you're going to be let down when you come to realize, man, this doesn't satisfy me because I got to go back and get more. I got to get more followers. I got to make sure my page is popping even more every week. There's got to be more followers. Why? Because you can have all the followers in the world. It's never going to satisfy the longing, deep desire in your soul. You see, God has created us with a yearning for the eternal, a desire to discover all the answers of time and eternity. That is within us, church. That is within us. We are born with a human restlessness deep within our souls, within our spirit. Again, I've, I've, I've alluded to it several times already, but you've heard that saying, there's a God-sized hole in the heart of every human being. Sadly, and it does, it just, it grieves my heart. I, I don't get pleasure uh, out of understanding that this is, this is reality. Sadly, many people fail to understand that only Jesus Christ alone can fill this hole. Just, just look for yourself. Just, just, just look through the, the annals of time. Look through your own life. Look through the experiences that you've had and the people that you've seen. Throughout the course of history, humanity has continued its endless search for something that is beyond human knowledge. And to this day, the human race marches on. We think we can find it in, in, in better politics. <laughs> we think we can find it in preserving our physical bodies and being able to live longer. We think we can find it through the advancements in technology and science and medicine. Well, these things in and of themselves, they're not bad. They're, 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 they're good things. But we continue to seek for answers that are beyond our comprehension we do this because our infinite, unfathomable God has designed us with a hunger for more. A hunger that nothing else can satisfy but himself. Because <laughs> you can go ahead and get a master's and there's nothing wrong with getting a master's degree. I heard Alistair Begg preach on this last week. I'm taking it from him, giving him the credit. You can get a master's degree and then you can come to find out that it doesn't satisfy and then you go back and you get a bachelor's 
and then you come to find out that doesn't satisfy, and then you can't turn back the hands of time because now you're too old to go back to school because all this time has passed, and your children have grown, and your grandchildren have grown, and you're left with a rotten taste of gravel in your mouth because you didn't realize that it wasn't about obtaining the status or the stuff. It's about having a true, real, raw, honest, authentic relationship with Jesus Christ that nobody can fake and nobody can buy it and you can't get it no other way. But humbling yourself before the mighty hand of God and saying, yes, Lord, I receive you. I surrender my life to you. That's it. That's it. You see, the blueprint of God himself He's the designer, we are the design. He is the creator, we are the creation. The blueprint of God himself is ingrained within the very fabric of who we are. And because of sin, we are rebellious towards God, wanting to be our own God, instead of humbling ourselves before him alone. When we do this, we are ultimately trying to erase the God blueprint within us. But the more we try to erase it, the more its reality is evident. It's only when you and I are willing to surrender to the sovereignty of God and acknowledge that he alone is all powerful, whose ways are past ours and finding out that we as dependent creatures upon him, that our inner restlessness is finally stilled. I go back to my coworker and that inner restlessness of that anxiety, you know, anxiety, all these things are tied to the other things, they're tied to, to either the darkness or the light. And I'm not saying this person is possessed, but I will say that they're being influenced. Who are you being influenced by today, church? You're either going to be influenced by the darkness or the light. You don't have to walk in anxiety. You can and cry out to the Lord and he can vanquish th- those thoughts of anxiety and give you a peace that passes all understanding, no matter what your circumstances look like. And you can be uh, not at odds with God and not at odds with yourself, but be in contentment. The Apostle Paul learned this. He said, I I learned to be content whether I had a lot or little, because God is my portion, because Jesus is my life. Until we get to that place, we're not going to be satisfied It's it's not not about a cult. (laughs) It's not about some insane thing. But we have to be sold out for Christ. Think about all the things that the world is sold out for. Maybe think about some of the things that you were sold out for. I think about some of the things I was sold out for back when I was walking in the world. And I won't even share it with you because it's horrible and I'm, it's detestable. But that's the reality. We need to be sold out for Jesus. He needs to be our life and our portion. He really does. Because that's where you get your joy and your peace from. And your cup overfloweth. And then other people around you get blessed. They're like, man... The business getting blessed. Why? Because you're a Christian, you're real, and the Holy Spirit rolling with you. So the blessing's falling off of you, and it's falling onto these other people, unbeknownst to them. My wife's been part of way too many companies where she left, the light left, and that business folded. Talk to her about it. Ask her. (laughs) I'm not bragging on her. I'm bragging on Christ. But that's real. You bring the light with you. The Holy Spirit ain't up in this building. It's not, again, the temple of the living God is you. You came with the Holy Spirit. You brought the Holy Spirit here. And the Holy Spirit is dwelling amongst us because we are submitted before him. He has set eternity in the hearts of all men. 
and women, so that those who seek him with all their being will find rest for their souls in him and receive the gift of eternal life through faith in Christ. Amen. The second main point is this. There is nothing better to do in this life than to be joyful and to do good all the days of your life. (laughs) To be joyful. You know how many people struggle with that? They're not joyful, man. They are bitter. They are destitute. They are angry. Bruh, what's wrong with you, man? Come up in here. I'm just trying to say, hey, God bless you. And scowl at me. Man, okay. Bruh. Enjoy life, man. Enjoy the lot that God has given you. Don't don't grumble and complain. It's just it, it's it's so sad when people are miserable. And I get it. It comes from past hurts that have not been identified and not and have not been dealt with. But that's why we got to do business with the Lord on a daily basis, so your heart can be fleet free of all that junk and all that nastiness that tries to 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 keep you down and subjected to its its darkness and its cruelty. This is directly tied to the first main point. You see, what keeps people from being joyful and doing good all their life is their preoccupation with trying to find anything else to satisfy the longing of their souls besides God. (laughs) We run to and fro doing every, any little little thing. I don't know why uh, Valley Fair came up in my mind again, but I was talking to my wife. I I, picked up my cousin last night and took him to his dorm and we're talking about he ain't never been to Valley Fair. He's like, man, I'm all crazy. Two-story mall, you know, all this stuff in there. And it just makes me think, you know, there's nothing wrong with Valley Fair, but you just see people going to and fro. <laughs> what are you running after, man? <laughs> They're running after all this stuff. And they're preoccupied with trying to fill themselves with every and anything else but God. There's many people today, they're trying to fill themselves with the 49ers. Stayed home because, man, I got to watch the Niners. Me and Lou were talking about, I mean, I want to see the Niners, but it ain't that deep. I don't want to see the Niners and I'm going to miss being at the church house. It ain't that deep to me, you know. But <laughs> there are many people where it's like, man, they're going to tailgate. And there's nothing wrong with tailgating. There's nothing wrong with having a little party and all this and that. But I'm saying priorities are priorities. Don't be so immersed in that because the NFL don't care about you. They ain't paying your bills. <laughs> you know, and it ain't going to satisfy. And the Monday night games are always trash. Well, maybe this Monday won't be so bad. You got Aaron Rodgers and, uh, you know, the Bills. That might be cool. But you know what I'm talking about. Usually those Monday night games are trash. So you can have Monday night football, Thursday night football, Sunday night football, uh, you know, college football on Saturdays, maybe even Thursdays too, Fridays. But that's not going to satisfy It's not going to satisfy you. Enjoy it, but don't look for it to fulfill you because it won't. You see, but when we acknowledge the Lord God as the true and living God and look to him alone to satisfy us, when we are then able to experience true joy and then we become empowered by the Holy Spirit to walk in the good works that Father God has prepared for us from eternity past. Don't you want to walk in the good works that the Lord has for you? I know I do. I want to walk in those good works. I'm not saved by good works. I'm not getting it twisted thinking that, oh, because I've been used to do X, Y, and Z, that all of a sudden I'm better. No, I'm not better, and I'm definitely not saved by that. I'm saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. But I still want my life to be effective. I want my life to be worth something. I want to be used so I can see other people blessed. I want to see other people come out of the muck and the mire. Like when I was down in that nastiness. 
you know, in jail again, DUI again, life broken in shambles, ashamed, a wretch, no friends, nobody around. But then there was some Christian people that the Lord put in my life, man. They said, come hang with me. Come hang, come, man. Don't trip. You don't need to drive. You don't need, well, you don't need no money. Come. And they blessed me, man. They weren't my blood relatives. They were just people that was, it's like, they did for me what someone did for them. It's, it's a chain link. We're all linked up like that. And, 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 and someone says, pay it forward, you know. That's what we're supposed to do in the Christian life. I like what Mark said the other night at the men's, at the men's uh, prayer group. He said, it's the upside down pyramid, man. You want to see, you want to get as low as you can to see how many people you can serve. That's the Christian life, man. It's not about being served. It's about serving. It's better to give than to receive. <laughs> you think it's good to receive. It's better to give. You're more blessed when you give. You're more filled when you give. You're more on fire for the Lord. You're, you're like, I can't be touched. None of this stuff can touch me. Even when the circumstances don't go your way, like pfft, you deal with it and you walk through it in grace and strength in the Lord. Because you're, you're, you're coming from the right perspective of how you're viewing your life and God and other people. You see, God's perspective and hope gives the believer the ability to rejoice and be joyful regardless of their circumstances. Too many of us are basing our worth on our circumstances. Just because you're going through X, Y, and Z right now, do not make a final judgment on your life based on what you're going through right now. What if Joseph said, man, my brothers threw me in this pit and my life is over. Well, it got worse because he got out of that pit and now he's a slave to Egypt. What if he said, now I'm a slave in Egypt, my life is over. And I don't know, the Bible doesn't say. You know, he was in jail for a very long time before things got better for him. And maybe he did grovel for a minute. Maybe he did have a season where he's like, man, Lord, what? I know in the cartoon one, he did that. And he tried to climb and fell. I don't know if you've seen the, the cartoon Joseph movie, right? But he went through that. Yes, there you go. But that's the thing I'm talking about is don't base who you are on your circumstances. Understand for you to grow strong spiritually in the Lord, you have to go through difficult times. You cannot grow spiritually. You cannot mature in Christ if everything is easy. If everything's mamsy-pamsy and everyone in your family's got every duck and row in, in order and all their T's are, are crossed and all their I's are dotted, that, that, I know that's what we want, right? I know that's what we want. I want that. But, but, but that doesn't make for you to mature and grow. You're going to deal with the family members that's doing X, Y, and Z and is backslidden or just totally is astrayed from the Lord. And you're going to deal with that. You're going to deal with the people that lie on you that slander your name, that slander your character, that don't give you the time of day. You're going to deal with the people that should be honoring you when they're not. And you got to figure out what do I got to do to walk through this in integrity and, 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 and be loving. Because Jesus said, love your enemies. <laughs> he said, bless those that curse you. Or are we cursing those that curse us? An easy way to gauge it is how is your attitude when you're driving? How's your attitude when you're driving, man? If you're putting up a finger or if you're saying some mumbling, some grumbling, something in your mouth because somebody done cut you off, then you know where you're at. 
what we should be doing is praying for these people when they do a bad thing on the road. Just bless them. Bless them. Bless them. I know it's hard, but church, we're called to do the hard things. You want to grow close to the Lord, you better get used to doing hard things. Because it ain't easy. It's hard to live the Christian life. That's why you see folks falling out. And they profess one thing, but they do another because it's hard. Because you and I are called to live a sanctified, holy life. And Satan is throwing the kitchen sink at you. But you're called to walk in integrity, in an upright manner, above reproach. You can do it, but you have to keep the eyes of your heart fixed on Christ at all times. You can do it. Scripture, scripture memorization is super important. Memorize the word of God. That's your one-two punch. You want to be like Tyson in the ring, not biting ears, but you want to be like Tyson in the ring with the scripture. You know what I'm saying? Real talk. But if you are not committing scripture to memory, how are you fighting when the devil comes to you? How are you fighting when these demonic forces are, 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 are putting thoughts in your mind? They say we have upwards up to 75,000 thoughts a day. And the majority of those thoughts are negative so where are those negative thoughts coming from? Satan is the prince of the air, meaning there is an intellect, there is an intelligence to thought. Thoughts come either from the realm of light or the realm of darkness. But if you are not committing yourself to scripture and committing the scripture to your mind and memory, how are you going to be able to gauge what is from God and what is from the enemy? You see what I'm saying, church? But that's part of the fight. We are in a spiritual battle it is warfare what the, what the Word of God is. I get, I get up every morning for this. I get juiced off the fact that I'm in a... I'm, this is war, man. I'm not just walking through here like this is some easy peasy. No. I'm on my knees. I'm on my face before the Lord every day because I know that without Him filling me fresh with the Holy Spirit, I'm going to get knocked out. I can't, make it a, I can't make it a nanosecond in this life without Jesus. But with Him, I can conquer every single thing in my path. And I can do it in grace. And I can do it in confidence. Man, I feel this in my spirit right now. It's also God who gives us the ability to produce divine good works in one's lifetime. Notice that this doing of good is in one's lifetime. Galatians chapter 6 verse 10 says, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially those who are in the household of faith. Man, this, this goes without say, saying. This is secondhand nature once you get saved, once you begin to grow in maturity, understanding who Christ is in your life, who Father God is, who the Holy Spirit is, who believers are, the church, the iglesia, who they are in your life. It's like, you want to do good, man. You know, I, I, like I said, I hang with cats now that it's like, man, I would have never hung with these people before. But it's not about looks. It's not about what your exterior looks like. It's about, it's about who are you in the inside. And I... I I count it as an honor and a privilege to, to, to call the men in this church my brothers and my friends. They're blessing. They're a great blessing to me. I know that you guys uphold me and lift me up and pray for me and my family all the time. And, and, and that's the most important thing. You know, we just need prayer. We all need prayer. We all need to come alongside each other and fight that spiritual battle because that's what gets us through the day. And that's what helps us to remain afloat in a world that is so upside down and topsy-turvy and so wicked that it's looking to take anyone out who's not walking close to God. 
this doing good to those in the household of faith, this means we need to learn to get outside of our small box of life and become more aware of those around us. Some of us are so one-track minded and we're so just on our line about what we're doing and what we got going. You know, that's how you could tell if you're getting mature in the faith that, that when, you know, you're not necessarily always talking about what you're doing and what problems you got, but you're like inquisitive about what other people around you are going through. And you're like, man, what's up, brother? How you doing, man? <laughs> what's up, sister? How you doing? And, and you care and you're concerned. And, and yes, we all got our own thing going on, but that's how the body functions and operates. Think about like when you have some kind of sickness and illness just in your physical body, <laughs> you know? If the heart was just like, oh, man, I'm only concerned with myself. No, you, you're, you're, your body tends to whatever. And it, it figures out what it's got to do to make sure that the whole is well. And as Christ is our head, that's how we need to be as the body and grow in that, in that wisdom and that love and that integrity and that maturity in Christ. Many need a helping hand and we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. The third main point is this, whatever God does will endure forever. There are three aspects of God's actions highlighted in um, verse 14 of uh, this portion of scripture that we're in. The first one is this, God's actions are permanent. It shall be forever. It shall be forever. He said (laughs) one day he's going to create a new heavens and a new earth. There's going to be a new Jerusalem. This earth, as we know it, is going to pass away. So it may be in your lifetime, it may not be in your lifetime, but you can bet your bottom dollar, you could take it to the bank, that it's going to come to fruition. This earth is not going to be here forever the way it is right now. The second, main po- uh, the second point is this, God's actions are effective and complete, nothing can be added to it. He has the final say, we just sang it. His glory be- goes beyond all fame. I don't care how many records so-and-so sold. So what? That's cool, I guess. Half of them ain't even talking about nothing anyways. It's demonic in nature. But God's fame goes beyond all these recording artists. Stop putting these people on a pedestal that ain't worthy to be put on a pedestal. It's God's glory. What's the, what's the best-selling book of all time, man? There you go. <laughs> I mean, and, 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 and you know, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not bragging in an egotistical sense, but you can brag on the Lord. You should. You should brag on the goodness of God. And the third point is this. God's actions are totally secure. Nothing can be taken away from it. So this is what it is, church. That's why you need to hold on to the promises that God has for you. That's why you got to get in that word, get in his word, know his promises to you so you can identify that with that. So that when you're going through difficult times, you can reaffirm yourself and understand. What does 1 John 4, 4 say? He who lives in me is greater than he who lives in the world. Now, if you know that, and if you know that in the core of your being, when you go through difficult times, you're just going to tell yourself, Christ who lives in me is greater than Satan that lives in this world, and you ain't going to take me out. But if you don't know that, you're going to go belly up when you get knocked upside the head with something that you weren't expecting to happen, because that's how life goes. It's just how it is. got to affirm yourself daily in the promises of God. His creation will be restored and all human spirits shall live forever. (laughs) The question is this, will you be forever with him in the new Jerusalem or will you be apart from him for eternity in hell? That's the question. All right, let's go ahead and break down and chop down these verses now. 
I'll look a little closer. 9 through 11, it says, What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. Okay, so we see this first statement. It says, What profit has a worker from all his toil? And that um, Solomon says that he has seen that the God-given task which the sons of men are to be occupied with. Hmm. So he asked this kind of question. He asked it before, but this time he found an answer in the God-given task that God gives to man. And this is very important because before he, he wasn't looking at it from this perspective. And that's why he was grieved in his heart. And he said, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. And it's, it's all vanity. It's all chasing after the wind. Because when we don't have a, a God perspective, when we don't have a biblical worldview on, on how we gauge life and li- our lives and the lives around us, we come to think that it's meaningless and empty. empty it. But, but now he has this perspective with God in sight. And he sees that it's a good thing. A question that I have to ask you. Have you ever asked yourself this question? What's it all worth? Why am I even doing all this? Why am I working so hard? Have you ever asked yourself? Don't say, don't say it out loud. <laughs> but, but I'm pretty sure if we're honest with ourselves, we've all said these things or something to that effect before. This is the age old question humanity has been trying to answer since the beginning of time. What's it all about? Why am I doing this? What, you know, why is it so hard? What, what is going on? What, what, is, what is supposed to be the, the, the sum total of all this going on? Well, he goes on and he tells us that God has made everything beautiful in its time. This sense of balance is directly connected to the list in the previous section. We you know, talked about there's a time to be born, there's a time to die, there's a time to love, time to hate, all those things, right? Solomon thought of the good and the bad as they were described and understood that God has made everything beautiful in its time. Uh, gosh, I can't remember the old country singer, but uh, Stop and Smell the Roses. Man, that song's a good song. That's a good song. Mac Davis, Mac Davis, Stop and Smell the Roses. You know, sometimes we got to do that, church. We, 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 we got to be able to, you see, you want, okay, look, this is some insight on how to live a, a faithful Christian life all the days of your life. The Lord says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has its own problems. Be concerned with today. You and I don't know if we're even going to live the rest of this day. Why be preoccupied and concerned with tomorrow? We just need to do today. If you do today and live out your life faithfully today, you're going to have a lump sum of all these days added up. At the end of your life, where you're gonna be like, man, I, I walk faithfully with the Lord, because I, I didn't trip out. I got, I got, you know, I got a trip going uh, to Hawaii uh, in October, and um, you know, it's funny because sometimes a thought pops in my head. I hate flying. I hate flying over water. I mean, I would have. This will have been my fifth time going to Hawaii because uh, I have family on my mom's side that stays over there and whatnot. But anyways. Uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where sometimes the thought comes in my head, man, I don't want to deal with this plane going down. I don't want to see my wife drowning and I'm going to have to hold my daughter. While she's, and it's like, that's just Satan. That's a demonic thought. Why am I concerned about all that? And it, let me deal with today. <laughs> but you got to be in a place where you're able to recognize that, that that's not from God, that that's from the enemy. And you rebuke it, you ignore it, you replace it with the word of God, you replace it with something that's going to affirm who you are in Christ. And now the darkness has to flee until it looks for another opportune time to come and try to pop in your mind. 
Remember, the, the, the warfare is here. It's here. It's in between these two ears. You know, I'm not going to say every, everything about schizophrenia. I'm not going to get into all that. But there is a component of it where it is spiritual and it is warfare for sure. For sure. Solomon understood that humans have an awareness and a longing for the eternal and that God has put eternity in their hearts. That was the next statement that we see is that God says that he puts eternity in the hearts of all human beings. We can say that eternity is in our hearts because we are made in the image of an eternal or the eternal God. The application is this. God made humans in his own image and nothing more speaks to the greatness of our origin than those desires of the soul which are capable of yearning for, conceiving, and enjoying the infinite, the immortal, and the divine. This is why, church, you see the modern day trend, which is of course not new at all, of those who seek out eternal youth. Now, please, don't get me wrong. Take care of your life. Take care of your body. Don't just be... You know, someone who just, you know, you, you can't eat cheeseburgers and, and, and tomahawk steaks all week and wonder why you got high blood pressure. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So take care of yourself. But there's a fine line between taking care of yourself and obsessing over your flesh. This is from an article that was entitled The, the Obsession with Eternal Youth. And this was um, this is a quote. It says, with people living longer and treatments improving, anti-aging medicine is now a lucrative business. But as the quest for perma youth spreads beyond Hollywood, doctors warn that it could become an unhealthy obsession. You think (laughs) you think I mean. I always say, look at the hands. The hands don't lie. I mean, I've said it many times from this pulpit. You can change all this, but you can't really change this, and you can't change this. Everybody's hands get bigger for some reason. Ears get longer and bigger, you know, as you get older. I mean, you can put all the pump, all the Botox you want in your face, but there's just some things that you can't mask up. And that's just the reality. But you see, the human appetite is in desperate need to be satisfied. If you think about it, almost every culture in, in, in the world has traditions, customs, or ways of thinking that reflect basic biblical truths, like the account of the flood. Every culture has a story about the flood. And this, there's a reason for that. And, and this again points to the reality that every human being ever created has a void in them that only God can fulfill. That's why you can trace it all back to the Jewish people and the Word of God, you know, and, 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 uh, and what's said in there. This is the whole reason why Christ endured the cross to purchase our salvation. So that humanity could be reconciled or brought back into a right relationship with Father God. So we could experience contentment in Him as it was before the fall. That, that's the goal in life. <laughs> My brother said it before. The goal in life is to get out of hell. That's not a popular saying, but that's the reality. You were formed and born in iniquity, and so was I. And so once you came in this fleshly suit, I don't care how cute you were, you're born into sin, and you're, you're on a trajectory towards hell unless, you know, you get out of hell. And you can only get out of hell and out of that trajectory by submitting your life before God. That is, if you die after the age of accountability truly believe the Bible uh, speaks of those who die before the age of accountability, they're going to heaven. 
but I'm talking about those of us that can rationalize between right and wrong. We understand that lying is wrong. We understand that cheating is wrong. We understand that honoring our father and mother is the right thing to do. If you understand that cognitively, you better get out of hell before you pass on or that's where you will go. There's no way. And I know it's not popular, but this isn't about being popular. This is about being biblical, biblically sound and understanding the truth of the word of God so you can thrive and be the beautiful creation that God has created you to be. Amen. Again, I love this verse, John chapter 6, verse 35. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. You don't have to thirst again today. Maybe you came in today and, 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 and there's, there's just something inside of you where it's like you're not fulfilled. You don't have to leave this building the same way you came in. You can be fulfilled today and you can be fulfilled forevermore every day of your life until the Lord calls you home. You have to seek after God. Ask Jesus to be your portion. Ask Jesus to be your best friend. That's what he wants. That's what you were created. That's what I was created for. You are to be closer to God than even your own spouse. Even your own children. You are to be closer to the Lord than you are with your children. That's how you love your children the right way. That's how you love your spouse the right way. Is by God being sitting on the throne of your heart and not someone else. God knows how dear people are to us, our loved ones. But what, is, what did Jesus say? Unless you hate your mother and your father and your brother and your sister, you can have no part of me. He didn't mean to literally hate them. But he meant don't have no one before me. <laughs> don't have no higher affection than me. When you have it right with him, all these other horizontal relationships, they, they, just, they just work out. But when we don't got this vertical relationship right, man, all these relationships are already going to go through difficulty. You're going to go through way more difficulties. So get it right with the Lord and everything else works out. May he be your portion. Um, Though God has given man a longing for the awareness of eternity, God has not revealed very much about his eternal work. There's mysteries about the Lord and about eternity that we just don't know. And, and, and I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer of force. There you go. I'm not the sharpest, sharpest knife in the drawer. So for that, I can't answer everything. I don't know. I don't know. There's things I just got to chalk up to. I don't know. The Bible doesn't specify. And I'm not that smart or wise to tell you. I am just share with you what the Lord has shown me in my studying throughout the week. But this keeps us yearning for eternity and alive in the heart of us yet to be fulfilled. And that's what gives us that hope is that we're like, okay, Lord, you could just draw me closer to you more and more each day. It is this longing for the eternal that keeps us dependent upon God. And that's how he wants it so that we're dependent on him and not dependent on ourselves or our circumstances. Because you can only throw money at so much. In Solomon's vast research, he found that nothing in the finite earthly realm could satisfy the human heart intellectually or practically. You can enjoy those things, but they will never satisfy. If you get nothing more out of this message, just know this. Stop looking after things, circumstances, and people to fulfill you. They never will. Your marriages, my marriage will go better if I stop looking to my wife to fulfill me. I need Christ to fulfill me. 
When I look to Christ to fulfill me, then I can love my wife the way I'm supposed to love my wife. And I can love my kids the way I love my kids. Because you know what? We're all sinners. And inevitably, we're going to mess up. (laughs) And when we mess up, if if you're just broken out, then it's like you're done. And then you're like, man, all I know is that you done messed up this. You didn't do the dishes. You didn't take all the garbage. You didn't go pick up this. You you didn't pay attention. And it's like, okay, man. (laughs) So it's like, Christ, Christ, Christ. You didn't get the promotion. You didn't get, oh, whatever. So-and-so didn't fall into place. That's okay, because I got Christ. And when God closes one door, he's going to do what? Open another one. Yeah, amen. All right, last, last three verses and we're done. Uh, 12 through 15, it says, I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do what is good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. I perceive that. Whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken away from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. That which is already has been, and that which is to be already has been. And God seeks what has been driven away. Okay, this first statement. Let's kind of take a closer look at this. I know that nothing is better for them, for human beings, than to be joyful, right? And to do what is good in their lives and enjoy the good of all their labor. This is a gift from God. It is wise to receive the good things in this life and to receive them as a gift of God. It's interesting to me because some of us have a very hard time accepting gifts. Have you ever come across someone like that? Where like, they never want to receive a gift from anyone. It may seem modest on the surface, but many times beneath there lies deep hurt. And that's why they're not able to receive gifts. They, they feel like, is it real? Is it genuine? Are this per- is this person going to be there later on? And, and, and they're reluctant to receive the gift. And then they look at God that way. Because they had a bad father, they think that Father God's the same way. Don't judge the Lord by human standards. Maybe your dad was a horrible dad, earthly dad. That doesn't mean that Father God's like that at all. Do not compare him to what we're doing. We're all messed up. The heart is deceitfully wicked. (laughs) But God is gracious and good and mighty and holy and just and caring. He loves you beyond more than you. My words don't even give justice to how God feels about you. You can't describe it. It's unfathomable. And I didn't even say that right. Unfathomable. Whatever. <laughs> you just can't fully grasp it. No one can. But that's the, that's the depth of the love that God has for you and I. Well, the Bible has much to say about our Heavenly Father being the giver of good gifts of all good gifts james chapter 1 verse 17 says every every single good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change amen matthew chapter 7 verse 11 says if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? You see, many times we struggle in the Christian walk simply because we're not asking. How many times you have a problem? Who's the first one you go to? Oh, go to Jesus! 
Go to Father God. I thought someone was going to say it. I was like, man, winner, winner, chicken dinner. Nobody said it. I know, y'all. <laughs> the first one you and I should be running to for every single thing is the Lord. So many times we want to consult people. What's up, bro? Oh, man, I got this problem at work, man. What do you think I should do, man? Uh, yeah. Don't go to the people first. Go to the Lord. Because he's the one that's going to give you what you need. He's going to impart the wisdom and the understanding that you need. Even if it's something like, be quiet. <laughs> Keep your mouth shut. Don't respond. Be calm. Be humble. He might tell you that. He's not, he may not be some big, great revelation. But it's just going to be a simple, still thing. But that's all you need to know in that moment. And then just watch him work. Like when he parted the Red Sea, all he said to Moses was, lift up your hands, man. Lift up your hands and believe and let me work. So many times we're not letting God work. And then we're wondering why we're not going through the good things that we want to see in our lives. We got to let the Lord work. Sometimes it's good to sit. Sometimes it's good to be still and know that he's God. It's actually always good to be still and know that he's God. So we can see the manifestation of his spirit moving in our midst and in our lives. Amen. You see, it is Father God alone who gives good gifts. That's why we are led to give good gifts ourselves, because the desire stems from him. You know, Christmas time, right? Any parent worth their salt, it may not be an expensive gift, but they're going to give something. Uh, any good parent worth their salt is going to at least prepare a nice dinner for their son or their daughter for their birthday. That, that desire comes from God to want to bless, to want to, to give something good to the other person. You see, being a cheerful giver is better than giving and receiving. But we must understand, church, also that these gifts are not primarily material. They are spiritual. They are things that you can't see. The gift to have peace, the gift to just be able to sleep at night and not have your mind moving a million miles an hour and have anxiety like I was talking about at the beginning of this message, that is a gift from God and only the hand of God can give it. Father God gives us the gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. What better gift can anyone receive? You are eternally saved from damnation. You are never, no longer under the wrath of God, but now he calls you friend and not enmity. You're not at enmity with God through salvation in Christ alone. He gives you and I the gift of the Holy Spirit on the inside to have his spirit dwelling within you. The spirit that defeated sin, Satan, death, the grave lives inside of you. I mean, if that don't get you up, Nothing is going to get you up. That alone. That's why they talk. That's why them old time pastors talked about the cross can never get old. It needs to be new and refreshed to you every day. Every day. Grateful for the fact that my Lord, my Messiah, my God died for me. Wow. He died, but he not only died, he rose from the dead. He rose and defeated all of that. So I don't have to be afraid of death. I'm going to walk into eternity and I'm going to go to sleep is what the Bible says. <laughs> My inner man is not going to die. This mere shell that I'm in is going to pass on. But that's it. Who I really am is going to move on and live on forever in Christ. 
Romans chapter 6 verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So how do you practically live out and enjoy the gifts of your toil, right? Because that's all what we want to know. How do we actually apply it? Yeah, pastor, it sounds good, but how do I practically live this out? So how do I make it applicable to my life? The application is this. I alluded to it earlier in this message. We need to learn to live one day at a time. You see, the Jewish people had a saying, and it went something like this. Don't worry over tomorrow's evils, for you know not what today will bring forth. Perhaps tomorrow you will not be alive, and you will have worried for a world which will not be yours. (laughs) That's wisdom right there. Consider this. If each day is lived as it comes, if each task is done as it appears, then the sum of all the days is bound to be good. Each task, everything you do, do to the honor and to the glory of God. If you're called to set the table, if you're called to take out the garbage, if you're called to mow the lawn, if you're called to wash the dishes, if you're called to clean the toilet... Do it to the best of your ability. If you're called to preach a sermon, study, work hard. Show yourself approved. Do a good job. If you're called to listen, listen well, students. I'm a student. We're all students. But we need to do these things well. It is Jesus' advice that we should handle the demands of each day as it comes without worrying about the unknown future and the things which may never happen. Matthew chapter 6, verse 34 says, Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Don't we know how true that is? <laughs> each day has got its own thing. Don't, 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 you know, God, God is sufficient for whatever is going to happen tomorrow. Now, I'm not, that doesn't mean be, 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 not, not be a, a, a planner. We can plan, but that's why the word says, the Lord wills, if the Lord wills. I'll go to Hawaii, Lord willing, <laughs> or whatever it is. I'll do X, Y, and Z. Me and Eric say it all the time. I'll see you tomorrow, bro, Lord willing. I may not come to work tomorrow. <laughs> so it's Lord willing. But just think of all the people you know that are paralyzed by fear and anxiety. They can't enjoy life because they are fearful of death. But if we truly believe that Jesus Christ conquered sin, death, the grave, and hell, we wouldn't be paralyzed by fear. You see, Jesus can deliver you from fear while Satan tries to keep you bound by it. That's why those unclean thoughts, you know, God is not in thoughts of fear. So you know for sure when you're having a a thought of fear, that's not God. That's not the Lord. That should show you right there. That's that's an unclean thought. Renounce it. Rebuke it. And and get that thought in your mind where it's like, okay, I know who I am. I know what you told me I am. And and I'm going to roll with that. And I'm going to roll with the confidence of what you say over what this is that's trying to paralyze me and leave me frozen and stuck. The enjoyable life in Christ, again, is from the hand of God. This truly is a privilege and a blessing. The next statement we say, I know that whatever God does, it shall be forever. Here we see it revealed that Solomon received revelation of something very important. It is the knowledge that God is eternal that this matters to us. He goes on to say, God has done it so that men should fear before him. Okay, no human by their sheer effort can hope to alter the course of things. We may try, but we can't ultimately alter how life is going to end up. 
To seek to do this is the evidence of pride in our lives. There is a major reason God sets the times and events for our trials. His desire is to remove every aspect of any argument that, might, that we might have that might lead us to choose some other way of doing things rather than his. Resisting God produces no fruit at all. With God in control of time, we should, through our experiences, gradually become more aware of our own sheer helplessness and cling to him. We should cling to God more and more each day that we live. We cannot manipulate time nor manage the times that we operate in. This intense understanding of our helplessness helps us grasp the deeper things and how we are totally to be dependent upon him to work out his purposes in our lives. Again, God's actions are permanent. They shall be forever. God's actions are effective and complete. Nothing can be added to them or taken away. God's actions are totally secure. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 5. He said, I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he, it is he that bears much fruit. From apart from me, you can do nothing. Man, if you just stay in him, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. All things that are going to honor him. Let's not get the context twisted. <laughs> you can't become a, a, a multi-billionaire if it's not in the Lord's will for you and if you're not going to honor and glorify him. But anything that's going to honor and glorify him, he's going to equip you to do the work. Amen. The humility produced by this awareness is of tremendous value to the believer. It produces a holy fear of God within us. And we know that Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Lastly, it says that God requires an account for what is past. And um, uh, Michelle and Isaiah can come up. I'll end with uh, this last statement and this, this story that I think is poignant for this message. If God judges the hearts and the deeds of man, then everything has meaning. Nothing is meaningless, church. We would be wise to reflect on all the miracles, small and big, that God has blessed us with. Amen? Now, this is a true story about an old man who once a week would walk near an abandoned pier on the seashore with a bucket filled with shrimp to feed the seagulls. Captain Eddie Rickenbacker died until his death. Uh, he did this until he died in his death in 1972. The reason? Well, in 1942, during World War II, Rickenbacker was on an important mission when his airplane had gotten lost and ran out of fuel, forcing the captain and his crew to ditch their plane at sea. For nearly a whole month, that's four weeks, the men battled the elements in the water. But the worst of their tribulations was a lack of food. After eight days at, at sea, the men were out of food. Years later, the, the captain recalled how on one Sunday afternoon, after the men had prayed for salvation in the water, and they were singing hymns of praise, he covered his face with his hat, and he began to drift off into sleep. Suddenly, something fell on his head. It turned out to be a seagull. Hundreds of miles from its natural habitat, the men were able to catch the seagull, kill it, and eat it. They used the, 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 the seagull's intestines to catch fish, which they survived on until they were rescued. That one seagull that fell from the sky was like manna in the desert. It saved Rickenbacker and his crew, his entire crew, and he never forgot that. That's why the captain fed seagulls every week until his death. By doing so, he was expressing gratitude for the miracle that he received so very long ago. Psalm 79 talks about that. 
Then when your people, the sheep of your pasture, will praise you forever from generation to generation, we will proclaim your praise. You see, when you and I receive a miracle in our lives, we can't simply move on like nothing happened. We must remember and express our gratitude, our praise and honor to God for all he has done. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for just the miracle of just being able to hear from you and to understand your word, to be able to rightfully divide it and see the benefit that it has in our lives. Your, your word says that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lord, guide us in all things. You need to be our compass because we don't know which way to go. We don't know the direction we're supposed to take. So, Father, I just pray as your word has gone forth, Lord, that you would water, that you would bring a harvest, produce a great harvest within the hearts of your people, that, that they would stand in their spirit and be empowered with your truth to live a life mighty and worthy of honoring you. Father, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen.